Good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, today's a great day to be at church. We have our water baptism and family fun day happening out at Pompano Beach today. Anybody excited about that? A couple of people? Yeah. Uh, listen, if, if you've never been water baptized, you've never making that, that, taken that step in your journey of faith, I want to encourage you to come out today. We're going to be out there at 3 o'clock. We're going to be doing baptisms at 4 o'clock. We're going to have food. Families are going to be out there just having a good time. Come on out. Enjoy the experience with us. If you've already done it, man, it's so encouraging for the people that are to have people there cheering them on and just seeing life change happening in people's lives. And so we encourage you to come out and be a part of that. And uh, today we've been in this series called Arrows over the last couple of weeks, and we've been we've been talking about this idea of living a life of no regrets. It's it's about fighting for the future that I believe that God has for every single one of our lives. And one of the things that I've noticed in my 39 years here on life is is that there are a lot of people that are very talented. There are a lot of people that are very very gifted. There are a lot of people with unbelievable qualities about their lives, but a lot of them don't ever live up to or fulfill the potential that's within them. And at the end of their lives, they end up with this overwhelming sense of regret. They end up with this sense of loss, like they missed out on something. And, and some of you, you're here and you're young. Some of you, are, you're here and you're old. And you're going through life and you feel that way exactly. You feel like, like man, there is something that has been missing from my life. There is something that is unfulfilled, un, that has not happened, and no matter what you do, there's this hollowing emptiness within your soul, because you know that there's got to be more to this life, and while you're frantically doing things, and working hard, and, and going after dreams, and aspirations, there is just something that seems to be missing in your life, and you know there's a reason for your existence but yet that reason seems to elude you in life. And I think for some of us, it's just a misunderstanding about how life happens. And it's not just for those of us that believe in God. I think it's for, for all people. And I think that many times, while a lot of us, we have faith, we have a superstitious kind of thought process for how our future happens how our destiny happens. And so today I want to talk to you about choosing your future. And uh, I know that's going to sound a little crazy, maybe on the front end, but I hope it makes sense on the back end uh, of all of this. But this is what I know is there are a lot of choices that we have to make every single day. Anybody else kind of overwhelmed by the sheer amount of choices that are on out there? Like, man, there's just so many choices to make. I don't even know what choice to make. In fact, like one of the things that baffles me, I, I'm a deep thinker within myself. And so I think about choices that are being made every day. Like one of the choices that I got thinking about a couple weeks ago is the choice of breathing. Now, you don't realize that you're choosing to breathe, but subconsciously you are choosing, your body is choosing to breathe every single moment of every single day. And so I started thinking about this idea of inhale and exhale, inhale and exhale. And what if I had to make every single choice of every single inhale and every single exhale? I'd be like, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. What's going on in life? Like life would take a whole lot longer if I had to think about that. Like if I had to think about, and I started thinking about it, it's kind of stressing me out. But like when I breathe in, does my stomach go out? Does it go in? You know, like these are the things that I think about. I'm sick. I can't help it. And, uh, but breathing, I mean, it's a, it's a choice that's being made subconsciously 
in our lives every single day. Can you imagine if you just chose to stop breathing? Like life would be bad at that moment. But there's other choices that that just kind of like, I'm like, why do we have to make these choices? Like eating. Anybody else just get tired of eating? Like, man, it's just just a chore. It's like, that's the American dilemma right there. It's like people love eating too much. (laughs) But for me, it's not the eating part. It's having to choose what to eat. I mean, that's, especially as a husband, that is the difficult thing. Because if you're married out there and you go, hey, babe, like, what do you want to eat tonight? My wife's response, and probably similar to your spouse's response, is, hey, whatever you want. Which I know is a lie, because she doesn't like the same things that I like. Like, whatever you choose, I'm good with. Okay, babe, let's go to Indian tonight. Well, anything but that. But you go ahead and choose. Well, well, how about Thai? Mm. Anything but that, but you just go ahead and choose. And after about four or five times, it's like, can you tell me what I want so I can make the right choice? Anybody else? I mean, that's how it works, isn't it? That's, that's marriage right there. It's just, it's just difficult choices. Another choice that I'm not really a fan of is sleeping. I, like, I sometimes wonder and sit up at night and wonder, God, why did you make us sleep for a third of our life? Like, why are we wasting all of this precious time when we could be doing so many cool things. In fact, in college, I decided I don't want to sleep anymore. And so I just started, I stayed up because I was like, man, if I don't sleep, I could live like a double or triple life. Like I could be like three different people. Nobody would ever even know. And then I said about five days, you know, and, and so many choices, breathing and eating and where to eat and sleeping and Every, almost every day that I walked into our offices, uh, my, my assistant, her name is Melissa, uh, she, she, she asked me a singular question. She goes, hey, TJ, uh, have you eaten today? And the reason she asked me that is because I get so caught up in just going through life and trying to get to this place, to that place, to this place, to that place, and, and changing my world that, that I just forget to eat. And, and I'm always like, have you eaten today? Why are you so judgy? Like, why are you... <laughs> And what I know, like, she's not being judgy. What, what she's really saying to me every day is, is, TJ, are you making good choices? Are you making good choices to fuel your body for everything that you want to do? See, what is at the core of the, every single one of us is this idea of choice. If I were to ask you, what is the most fundamental spiritual act you can do most people would go you know what the most spiritual act that i can do is is i can meditate and focus on god and i can just connect with god in that moment for other people they would say you know the most the most spiritual act that i can do is is prayer i can spend some time connecting with god through prayer other people would say the most spiritual act i i could do is reading scripture and connecting with god and what he's already said other people would say the most spiritual act i could do is serving and being like jesus and serving other people But I would submit to you that all of those acts are connected to a singular act. And that's the act to choose. See, before you pray, you have to choose to pray. Before you read scripture, you have to choose to read scripture. Before you love, you have to choose to love. Before you serve, you have to choose to serve. And so I would submit to you that the most spiritual activity that you'll engage in whether you're a believer in christ or not 
is the act of choosing. And so I think we need to understand this dynamic of choosing because your entire world right now is being created by your choices. I don't know if you realize that or not, but everything that's happening in your world is based on choices that you've made or choices that have been made around you. And so what happens is, is as you start to look at Scripture, you start to realize that God always brings individuals and people to this epic moment where there is a choice they have to make. And I believe that for every single one of us, God is bringing us to places every single day of our lives at every single moment where there is a choice that has to be made. And we're going to be looking at a story in Exodus chapter 14. If you want to turn in your Bibles there, if you don't have a Bible, you can look in your worship God. If you don't have a worship God, just look at the screen. All the scripture is going to be up there. And uh, it says in Exodus 14, starting in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And let me just stop and kind of give you a timeout and give you some background of what's happening. So the Israelites uh, had just had been enslaved to the Egyptians for 400 years. And while they were enslaved to the Egyptians, they started crying out to God, God, save us, deliver us. And God interrupts this guy, Moses, his life and says, hey, I want you to deliver my people. He goes before Pharaoh, who is the ruler of the Egyptians, and says, let my people go. And the ten plagues follow. And, and Pharaoh gets really upset and is like, finally, hey, y'all just need to leave. And as the Israelites are leaving, they take like all the wealth of Egypt with them. And so that's where we're picking up in this story. They're, they've left Egypt, and all of a sudden, Pharaoh has realized that his entire labor force has left him, and, and he wants to destroy them. And so it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. So what we have happening right now is this intersection moment, this, this moment where choice is going to make and the choices that are made here in this critical moment are going to affect and impact the futures of all of these people and so i want to talk to you about this unique dynamic of the future because i think a lot of us have this magical view where we just think the future just happens like the future is just coming and i want us to realize that the future doesn't just happen humans make the future happen and let me explain it to you like this, because some of you, are, I know there's going to be some pushback. So let me explain it, because we understand it with other species. We understand that silkworms create silk, right? That's what silkworms do. They don't have to think about it. They just wake up, and they create silk. No silkworm wakes up and says, you know what, today I'm going to create polyester. <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen. A silkworm just gets up, and it creates silk. The honeybee. The honeybee, what does it create? It creates honey. No day does the honeybee ever wake up and say, you know what, today I'm going to make peanut butter. It's going to be great. Like it never happens. Why? We understand that silkworms create silk, and we understand the honeybees create honey. What we don't see is that humans were created to create futures. Humans create futures. And see, if you are not choosing your future, 
you are entering into the wrong one. Because I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you just let the future happen, typically the worst case scenario ends up happening in your life. Like, you never just like by happenstance, every once in a while maybe it happens, but for 99% of the time, if you just let the future happen, you end up with the future you never wanted in life. Because the future happens by the choices you make, and if you don't make choices consciously, then you automatically default to the worst choice. See, it would be awesome if by accident you automatically made the best choices possible. It's like, man, you just show up and it's like breathing. It just happens. And a lot of us, we're going through life and we're not choosing and life is just happening to us. And we're ending up with a life we never wanted and we're going like, man, what is going on? Like, how did I end up right here? How did I get in this place? And the problem, the problem with us not choosing our future is that choices are being made in our lives that are leading us to a place that we never wanted to be. And we have no idea the choices that got us there and the choices that it will take to get us out. It says in verse 10, and I'm, I'm going to break this down a little bit for you so you get this. Verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. This is kind of like whining. That's what they're doing right here. And for a lot of us, uh, whining is a lot like prayer because it, we're whining to God because nobody else will listen to us. And that's exactly what's happening here. They're, they're crying out to God. And the reason they're crying out to God is because the most terrifying dictator that they've ever encountered in their entire lives is now chasing after them with the full force of his army to kill them. So that's why they're terrified and 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 what's interesting is they're terrified but yet just a moment earlier they forgot about all the miracles that god had just done i don't know about you but i think about this all the time like i, I I've, I've heard myself say this god man if i just encountered a mo miraculous mind-changing mind-blowing miracle man i would never doubt you again like if i just had that miraculous experience like i would believe in you in everything have you ever thought that? Like, God, if you just did this epic, mind-blowing, miraculous thing, like, there would never be another doubt in my mind. But it just isn't true because these dudes forgot the next day. They forgot the next day what God had done the previous day. That's because yesterday's faith never seems to carry us through tomorrow's crisis. And they're terrified and and they'd experience the deliverance of God, and now the Egyptian army is running up on them, and they don't have enough confidence in the God who began a good work in them to believe that he'll complete it. And a lot of us, we go through life, and we're terrified, and we're complaining, and we don't believe the fact that the God who began a good work in us can actually complete that work. And so what do we do? We cry out, and we complain to God. In verse 11, it says, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Man, they're a sarcastic group too. Have you ever noticed that like when you're not in a good situation, like you, you, you sip some haterade. Like you hate on the individuals. And it says, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? And I love this next question that comes up because maybe you're like me, but I remember things a certain way even if they didn't happen that way. Anybody, anybody like kind of has selective memory like how history happened? You know, a pastor, this is just traditional, a pastor will say there were 5,000 people there when really there were 448 because we have selective memory of what we remember in that situation. 
and, and, and so they said, what have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? And Moses is like, no, actually you didn't say that. That was never put on the table when I came to you. In fact, if that would have been put on the table, that would have been a little bit different. See, what I remember happening is I was out in the desert tending sheep with my sweet wife living the dream and God showed up because of your crying through a burning bush and interrupted my life. And so I wasn't even sure if that was God because that was kind of crazy. And then he goes, I am that I am. And they're like, how are you supposed to argue with that? He's like, go deliver my people. And so I showed up and you're like, deliver us. And so I go before Pharaoh and all these signs and wonders happen. And in that entire time, I never heard a peep out of y'all. And now you're like, oh, didn't we say? No, you didn't say. In essence, what they were saying is they're saying, listen, we're a bunch of slaves. We don't know how to be free, and we didn't know what we were asking for, so let us just go back to where we were. Have you ever prayed that prayer like, God, do something great with my life. God, I know that you've you've put greatness inside of me. It's like spiritual narcissism. Like, I'm awesome, God, because you're awesome. And I know you want to use me in awesome ways to glorify you, of course. And so you pray that prayer, and then like the next prayer is like, God, what in the world is going on? Because your world is being turned upside down, and it's in the middle of crisis. And, and we're going, what are you thinking, God? What are you doing? What's happening right here? See, if you want God to do something great with your life, he has to send you through great hardship and great trial and great crisis. So don't ask God to make your life great and your challenges small. See, because great men and great women look for great challenges. See, we pray and we want God's outcome, but we don't want his process for our life we pray and we say god deliver us set us free and then we get angry when he takes us out of slavery and moves us into the uncertainty of freedom see what they didn't remember and what they didn't know is that freedom comes with some responsibility freedom allows us to make some choices and so suddenly they felt like slavery and what they've known and what they've always experienced was way more attractive than the uncertainty of what freedom could provide for them i wonder if we ever act like that i wonder if we ever move with god kind of in that mannerism or in that way you ever wonder why you keep dating that guy or you ever wonder why you stay in that job that you hate have you ever just like been like, man, I'm so miserable and unfulfilled, but yet you stay in those places? Some of you right now, you're in a relationship that you know is taking you nowhere and it has no future, but yet the idea of being alone and going through the desert so you can have a future, you would rather stay in what you've known. 
Some of you, you hate your job, and God has given you a dream and a passion for something different, but yet the idea of stepping out of the safety and security of what you've always done keeps you from stepping out into what God has for you. Some of you are like, I hate my life. I want a new life. And somebody comes along and goes, hey, I've got the way for you to have a new life. It's through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And see, Jesus came to the earth over 2,000 years ago and lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death on the cross so that you and I, we could have new life. And you're like, oh, man, that sounds incredible but terrifying at the same time. And I know my life is miserable, but, you know, I know that life. And so we choose the miserable, terrible life. Here's the thing. If God were to give us a new life without giving us a new you, we'd jack it up in five minutes. The only way God can give us a new life is by making us new. He continues on and says in verse 12, it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And I think that word desert is code word for future. See, a lot of us are afraid of our future, of the unknown, because it's different from our past. It's different from our experiences, and we're trapped in our past instead of stepping into our future. And I want to help us break an illusion that a lot of us live with, and that is the, the illusion that perception is reality. Because a lot of us live with this perception and we actually embrace those perceptions as our reality see we all have a perception that we're moving into the future i know that because i thought that for a long time every single one of us is moving into the future but i want you to know something just because you're stepping in tomorrow does not mean you're stepping into the future tomorrow's coming no matter what you do your future comes by what you do So some of you, you're just letting tomorrow after tomorrow after tomorrow pass by and you're just burning them up because you've chosen not to step into your future. And you're repeating the same cycle of pain, you're repeating the same cycle of hurt, you're repeating the same cycle of fears over and over and over again. It says in verse 13, Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. And I love how many times, if you look throughout scripture, do not be afraid is repeated over and over and over again. And I think the reason God keeps saying, don't be afraid is because the future is scary. Like it's scary to walk into the unknown, but what's scarier is to stay in what we've always known and think it's going to be different. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will you will never see again what god is saying right here is he's saying hey listen i want to put your past in your past you've got an egyptian army that is chasing you down and you've got to know that your past is going to try to hunt you down the moment you make a choice for your future your past is going to come after you and some of you know exactly what i'm talking about the moment that you decided like hey i'm going to step out of addiction and you start moving forward have you noticed that addiction starts running after you have you noticed that the moment that you decide to break up with that loser boyfriend, it's like that loser boyfriend's persona keeps following you everywhere you go? Have you noticed that, like, man, when you, when you decide to overcome that bitterness that's in your life and decide to forgive, that bitterness keeps trying to creep back into your life? Then it's like 
chasing you down in life. And here's the thing. As long as we're moving forward, it's always going to be chasing us. The only time our past catches us is when we stop. And it's like, what happens is, is that in that moment that we stop with fear or we're paralyzed by that moment, our past grabs hold of us and pulls us back into it. And have you ever noticed that it's the worst part of your past that's coming after you? It's not like the best part of it, it's the worst part of it. Verse 14, it says, the Lord will fight for you, you only need to be still. This is probably one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible, at least in the top ten, because... People will, will reference this with Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I remember when I first came to faith, um, this, this was a verse that some, some people that were older than me would, would tell me all the time. They'd say, TJ, you need to be still and know that he's God. You need to be still and know that he is God. And the reason they were telling me that is because they were very, very still in their life, like dead. Like they weren't doing anything. They just wanted me to be still. And, 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 and like they're like, be still and know that he is God. And they were trying to stop me from being too proactive, too reckless in life, too crazy in life, too faithful in life. And I haven't lost any of those traits. I'm still crazy and reckless and faithful and in all of those things. But everyone would use this verse to act like I was moving too fast into the future that God had for me. But you know what's interesting about what God is saying right here? He's not saying... Be still to make us be still. Because the Israelites, they're not trying to move too fast in their future. Are they? They're running into the Red Sea and going, God, you're going to make a way where there is no way. God tells them to be still, not because they're moving forward, but because they're trying to run back to their past. Listen, God has never told anybody to be still because they're like, man, God, I know that you're faithful. I know you got a future, man. I'm running after that. God's not in heaven going like, oh my gosh, this God's got too much faith and belief in me. I can't handle it. Somebody put the brakes on that joker. It says the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. So here's the rule. If you're ready to retreat, be still. If you're ready to give up, be still. If you're considering returning to your slavery, be still. If you're considering throwing in the towel, be still. And let God fight for you in that moment. It says, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? And I love that because he's basically saying, like, why are you praying to me? And when I read that, I go, well, isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Aren't we supposed to be connecting with God? Like, isn't that the essence of faith is to connect with you? Aren't, isn't that the whole point of this? I mean, who prays too much? And God looks at Moses and goes, why are you praying to me? And I learned this many years ago. Uh, I, I oversaw of our connect groups at our old church. And um, just a shameless plug right now, if you haven't jumped into a connect group, uh, we have connect groups sign up out there today. I encourage you to go do life. Together, the greatest life change in your life is not going to happen with me talking at you. It's going to happen when you go from rows to circles. And you get to know some people, and they challenge you, and they walk with you, and they grow with you. And so I encourage you, go find some place where you can connect and grow in your relationship with God. And so I was going around to connect groups within our church, just seeing how they're going and checking them out. And I show up at this connect group, and at the end of it, there was this single lady. 
who said, hey, at the time when they needed prayer, hey, I got a prayer request. I'm being evicted out of my house tomorrow. I've got another place to live, but, but like, I need God to intervene and help me move. And the, and the person that was leading the group was like, hey, we'll pray for that. And we started praying, and God says, this isn't something you pray about. This is something you do something about. There's a time to pray, and then there's a time where you go get a few dudes with some strong backs in a truck, and you just go make a difference. Know what I've noticed in life is a lot of us hide behind spiritual language to hide our spiritual emptiness. We want to pray because we're afraid to act. We want to be still because we're paralyzed by fear. And God's going, why are you praying to me right now? Don't you see that there is an army of Egyptians coming after you to kill y'all? Instead of praying right there, you need to go run and do so. Get that staff, put it in the water, and move forward. This is not a time for a conversation. Then the next verse, in the second half of verse 15, he says, Tell the Israelites to move on. You ever get confused by God? Verse 14, be still. Verse 15, move on. <laughs> See, here's the problem with selective scripture. You read verse 14 and you camp there and you've been camping there and you're almost dead. See, we need to keep reading on because God says, be still, but now it's time for you to move on. It's time for you to do something in your life. It's time for you not to get trapped by your past that's running after you. It's time for you to move forward. See, because the future doesn't just happen. You make the future happen. The future doesn't come to you. The future waits for you. See, the future is waiting for the person that says, you know what, God has made me a creative being, and he's given me a vision for the future, and I'm not going to sit here and wait for the future to come to me. I'm going to go out there and make the future happen. I'm going to move forward in what God has said. And a lot of us, what we need to be doing right now is we need to be leaning into God as we're falling forward into his future. Instead of stepping back into the life that we've always known that is keeping us right where we are, trapped by our past. He goes on to say in verse 16, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry land. And so my question for us is, is what choice is God waiting for you to make? What choice is God waiting for you to make? What's the choice that's going to open up a future that feels like it's been closed? See, maybe you came in here today and you're just as naive as the silkworm who doesn't realize that the silkworm was created to create silk. Maybe you're just as naive as the honeybee who didn't realize that he was created to create honey.
because if you open up this book, what you see over and over again is God brings people to this place where they have to make a choice to create their future. He doesn't just give it to them. He says, you need to take the land. You need to step into the water. You need to go to the cross. You're a creative being, and the most powerful spiritual choice that God has given you is the choice to choose. Now, here's the problem with that. Evil people don't wait for the future. Evil people, they take whatever is going on in their minds, and they go out there, and they create evil, and they create havoc, and they create harm. And what happens is it's spiritual people sit around and go, God, why aren't you doing something? I mean, God, I'm here praying. God, do something. And God in heaven is going, I did. I created you. You go do something. So stop blaming everything else in life for your life. other people's choices have birthed some bitterness and resentment and anger and those are very real choices that just show the power of choice but you don't have to let those choices define your future recognize the power that Jesus has given you to choose and choose you make doesn't just impact you, but impacts a sphere around you that you might not even realize. So church, what would happen if we chose to choose the future? How would our lives end up being lived if we chose to live for a future that we can't even fathom right now that God still is dreaming up for us? What if we realized that we were the, the creative agents that God designed before the beginning of time to create a future that we have yet to experience in life. An experience for others that is full of truth and beauty and goodness and love and peace and joy. And I know there's going to be some pushback and go, but those aren't the facts of life because the facts of life is that there has always been poverty. The facts is, is that there's always been brokenness. The facts are that there has always been hate in this world. The facts are there's always been war in this world. And you can live by facts, but you'll never live by faith. And we've got to have faith that our God can do immeasurably more than all we can think or imagine. And so I can imagine some pretty crazy things that God can do that we can't see based on the facts. And so some of us, we've got to choose today that God is doing a new thing and we're not going to live in the old ways in the past, but we're going to step into the future of this new thing that God has. And so my question is, is what do you need to choose? I do know that the Holy Spirit has been speaking.
may frighten you. That decision may may be like, that's not the decision I want to make. It might be outside of your sphere of normalcy. But you can choose what you've always known, or you can choose to step in deeper and say, I'm not that anymore. There are some of you, there's a choice you need to make that is, is really different than that. It's a choice to choose Jesus. I'm not talking about rules. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a relationship with the creator of the universe. You've been trying to live your life your way, your you're here today and you've